0: The first thing that happens when Jesus goes to church is the authority and the power of God's word flows freely. The authority and power of God's word flows freely. Let's jump back to verse 22. It says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So what exactly was it that made Jesus' teaching so different from the teachers of the law? What stood out about Jesus? There's two things. One is the way, and two is the what of what Jesus taught. The way and the what. Let's look at the wording of that, uh, that is used in that verse, and I'll kind of explain what I mean there. It says that they were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Amazed is always a pretty good word when we're talking about Jesus, right, and his teaching. But don't you think it kind of gets a little bit overused in our culture, right? Are we kind of a little bit numb to that word amazed? Like, honestly, how many of you have said that pizza is amazing, Or that cheeseburger is amazing. Or maybe you're having like pillow talk with your husband or wife and you're like, baby, you're amazing. I love you. You know, so it kind of gets a little bit, we get a little bit numb to it. But the book of Mark was originally written in Greek, and the word that Mark used to describe the people's reaction to Jesus' teaching was very strong and very expressive. These people were astonished. They were awestruck. They were taken back. Literally, these people were like jaws to the floor, and they probably asked themselves, like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Because this is the first time that they're seeing Jesus. This is Jesus' first time teaching. But why? What was it exactly that made the way that Jesus taught so different from the teachers of the law? The key here is this. He wasn't trying to establish what a previous rabbi or a previous teacher had passed down to him. He spoke from himself as the son of the most high God. He spoke from himself as the beginning and the end of all things. And that's where the authority comes from, from who Jesus was, the son of God. That is what makes Jesus so radically different from the teachers that these people had been exposed to. Right? Jesus speaks with an authority that is independent of man. And I tell you what, that is something that you cannot fake. An authority that is independent from man. An authority from the heart of God. Jesus wasn't simply passing down traditions to these people or teaching them the doctrine that's found in the laws of Moses. He goes so much deeper than that. He gets to the heart level. He goes past the surface. He teaches them the things of the Spirit. He teaches them about the kingdom of God. He teaches them about love and judgment and mercy and grace. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Guys, whether we like it or not, the word of God is going to get deep with us. Whether we like it or not, the word of God is going to bypass the walls that we put up in our minds, in our hearts, and pierce to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discern the inner intentions of our hearts, and transforms us from the innermost parts of who we are. Right? This isn't just some book that was written 2,000 years ago that we tried desperately to make cool and relevant so that people come to our church. The word of God is going to last forever. That's what the prophet Isaiah says. The grass will wither and the flowers will fall, but the word of God will last forever. And I think this is what the people were experiencing as they were listening to Jesus teach. Right? Instead of being told, you know, do this, don't do that, they were experiencing the heart transformation at the feet of Jesus as they listened to him speak. I mean, think about it from their perspective, right? It's easy for us to talk about the grace and the love of Jesus because we have the New Testament. We've read it already, right? We know it's by faith we're saved and not just the good things that we do. We know that Jesus sacrificed it all for us on the cross already, but these people didn't know that because it didn't happen yet, right? All they had to go off of was the Old Testament, and the majority of them likely couldn't even read that for themselves because they were illiterate. So they had to rely mainly on what their teachers or rabbi passed down to them. But imagine for yourself, put yourself in their shoes, how different it would be for you if you only had the Old Testament, if you didn't read the New Testament ever, right? Then along comes this new teacher, Jesus, and all of a sudden, you know, everything starts clicking for you. All the pieces start falling together. You know, you have that aha moment. Right? Jesus is the scarlet thread that runs through the entirety of the Bible and ties together the Old and the New Testament. It is seen in the animals killed in the, in the Garden of Eden to provide clothes for Adam and Eve, the ram that took Isaac's place on the altar, the Passover lamb, the institution of the sacrificial system, the scarlet rope of Rahab, and the thousands of years of sacrifices performed at the temple and the tabernacle. This scarlet thread runs all the way to John the Baptist's declaration, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And ultimately, to the foot of the cross where Jesus finally says, it is finished. When Jesus spoke to these people, he flipped their world on his head. He changed the game for them in such a powerful way. They had never seen or heard anything like what he was saying. They were amazed and their lives would be changed forever from that point forward. And that's what happens When Jesus speaks, that's what happens when Jesus goes to church. You don't leave the same. You can't leave the same if you're taking in what Jesus is saying. But how many of you know that when Jesus begins to transform lives, the devil gets a little mad? Right? He's always around the corner. He's definitely not a fan of when that happens. But it's all good because you know what else happens when Jesus goes to church. You know what else happens. Demons get uncomfortable. Demons get uncomfortable when Jesus goes to church. We're about to put it down. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Verse 23 says, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. I want to point out to you a key phrase. It says just then. Some other translations say straight away, meaning literally right after Jesus was teaching, this demon starts speaking out through this man in the synagogue. Right the Bible doesn't say this exactly but I don't really think it's outside of the realm of possibility that you know this man had been to the synagogue before he was a local dude he was around the teachers of the law as they were teaching he's been in this church before he listened to them teach about the traditions of their people the stories of the Exodus maybe with Moses the viewpoints of different teachers and rabbis but the demon was never moved to manifest itself until this point so what's the difference Right? Why not? The reason is this. They never taught with the power and the authority that Jesus did. Right? They never... They never taught like Jesus did, so the demon was never moved to manifest. This is what happens when Jesus goes to church. Demons and evil spirits get uncomfortable. It's just the way it is. Jesus never even addresses this spirit, and it starts speaking spontaneously, right? It wasn't like Jesus called him out, and that's what drew the demon to manifest itself. It was spontaneous right after Jesus was teaching. It was an occurrence like that. What was really happening is that the teaching of Jesus and his presence on earth had thrown the entire world of evil spirits into a frenzy. They knew that the one who was more powerful than Satan had come, and, that they, and they hated Jesus for intruding on their domain. What was happening was the powers of darkness were beginning to tremble at the awesome power and authority of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. you got to get excited about that this morning, because it doesn't end there. It doesn't end on the pages of Mark chapter 1. It's real for us today. Right? The miracles and the power of Jesus didn't die in the pages of the Bible. If you get nothing else out of it this morning, let it be that. The power of Jesus doesn't die in the Bible. It's alive today. So the demons knew who Jesus was. They called him by name, and they called him the Holy One of God. So why exactly does Jesus tell them to be quiet? Right? It sounds like they're kind of on the right track. Like maybe they can uh, be saved, you know? They come to church next week or something. They, They sound like they're getting it, right? But it's not like they're blaspheming or mocking him. You see, it was absolutely necessary for Jesus to assert his authority over this demon, not only to show that he was more powerful than them, right, but more importantly, to show that he had nothing to do with them. He wanted to shatter any relationship with them because of this. Later on in his ministry, Jesus will be accused by these same teachers of the law of operating under the power of Satan. They say, the only way you drive out demons is because you get your power from demons, right? That's what they're going to say to him later on. So this was Jesus' way of utterly shattering any thought that his power comes from the demonic world, any ties that his power comes anywhere else from the heart of God himself. And with four words, Jesus delivers this man from demonic oppression Come out of him. Four words. And this man's life is transformed forever. So we can get three things from this scene. One, this man was actually physically possessed by a demon. There's no metaphor or, you know, word pictures about it at all. This was the real deal. This guy was really demon-possessed Two, This demon was vicious and tried to hurt the man as much as possible before leaving him. But verse 26 shows us that the man shook violently as the demon left him. But the power of Jesus prevented the demon from doing any real physical harm to him. And that's an awesome concept. The power of Jesus prevented the demon from doing any real physical harm to the man. Because there's going to be times when the enemy comes after you or your family. But that concept still rings true. The power of the blood of Jesus will always be stronger than whatever attack comes your way. There's no demon strong enough, no evil spirit strong enough that can take you down because the power and the blood of Jesus is over your life. And the third thing we can get out of the scene is that the demon was forced out by the power of Jesus. Demonstrating Jesus' power and authority over this demon. It didn't come out on the demon's own decision or authority. It was forced out by the power and the authority of Jesus. The demon couldn't even say anything back to Jesus after it came out of this man. It just left with a yell. You know, do you notice the difference? Because earlier in the passage, the demon was using this man's voice to speak But after Jesus tells him to get out, he can't do that anymore. He just leaves with a yell. There's nothing that can stand against the power of Jesus. And after just one encounter with Jesus, the course of this man's life was changed forever. Think about it. right? He wasn't just that crazy demon-possessed guy anymore that hung around the church. Jesus changed his life forever. He delivered him. Right? He had a new life and a new identity because of what Jesus did for him. And that leads me to the third thing that happens when Jesus goes to church. Lives are changed. Lives are changed when Jesus goes to church. You see, these people were amazed not simply because of the doctrine and how Jesus presented it. Right? It wasn't just what he was saying, but the power of the miracle that just took place before their eyes. Can you imagine the atmosphere in that room? right you just literally witness some great teaching some life changing teaching and then like that this demon starts talking out of this guy and you're like what is going on like this is not your regular sunday at church right right you just witness an exchange between this new teacher jesus and a demon and the demon actually listens to him and he leaves the man right these people just witness literally an exorcism it's pretty intense don't you think Listen, if you get nothing else out of this, let it be this. Jesus is and always will be more powerful than anything you face in your life. And that power is not dead in the pages of the Bible. He has the authority over demons. They cannot stand to be in his presence. He has authority over sickness. He will be glorified through it. He has the authority over your marriage, your finances, your anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever it is. Jesus has the power and the authority, and he will always be seated above it. He wants your heart. That's the crazy thing about all this. The most powerful, all-creating God in the world wants your heart. Isaac Newton's first law of motion says this. Everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. Everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by the forces impressed upon it. So what's impressing on you this morning? Is it God's word? Is it the power and the authority of Jesus? Or do you feel the pressure of the world around you caving in? The truth is that either way, we're going to be changed for good or for worse. And that decision is ultimately ours to make. Because Jesus is in the business of changing lives. That's what he does. We have no choice but to be changed when we have an encounter with Jesus. No matter what you've done or what you will do in your life, after an encounter with Jesus, you will never, ever ever, ever, ever be the same. We're going to sing one last song together this morning, and I really want these words to sink in. I want you to think about what we're going to see, where we're going to sing together. The chorus of the song says this, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us. He lives in us. And that's why we can walk confidently in our lives as believers. We have a Savior who is all-powerful, and he's sovereign over everything in our lives. lives. And he lives inside of our hearts. The power and the authority of Jesus is so real and so alive today.